And so, Father, right now, we invite you in. We, we verbally give you permission to be a part of what we're going to be doing right here and right now. We thank you for what you've already done. But we ask, Lord, that you would go even to a deeper level into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirits, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone in agreement said, amen. amen. We've been talking about running the race of life over the last number of weeks. We're going to be finishing up today. And, and many of you have been following along uh, through our time together. But let's just take a minute to do quick, quick review to help everyone be up to speed to be in the same place. So week one, we talked about you know, the importance of running to the Father. And what I meant by that was that everyone is in a race called life. All of us here, all right? We all are. But the thing is, the starting line for our spiritual race is at the cross of Calvary. In other words, when we first invite Jesus into our heart as Lord and Savior, that's the starting line. It's not when we're born naturally. You know, it's when we become born again. And now here's the thing. We, we start running pretty early on, right? By the time you're, you know, average person, two, three years old, you're starting to run in the natural. But you are not running in the spirit until you meet Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Can you say amen to that? And so if there's anyone here that you've never invited Jesus into your life, then he'd like you to come up. And, and, and be a part of his life. He'd like you to come up to the finish line, or to the starting line, I'm sorry, and start on a new journey with him. And it's not about joining a church or becoming religious. It's about accepting Jesus into your life. Acknowledging you're, you're not perfect. How about, how about this? Let's put it in a race concept. You have no idea where to run or where to go. And you need him to guide you and direct you from this point forward. It's that simple. So I encourage you, make that decision right now. And if you make that decision, come and tell me about it. I'd love to hear about it and encourage you in your walk on. So we talked about, you know, coming to the Father. Then, then we started talking about the fact that we need to run with the Father. And I talked about the fact that, that we as believers have the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. At that moment we accept Jesus. He comes and lives in our hearts and stays there for how long? Forever, right? He's with us. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. So he's with us this entire journey, this entire run of life. And we need to rely upon him. He's what? The spirit of truth. That means that when we're living a lie, he's there knocking on the door of your heart saying, that's not right. Come on, how many people have heard that voice? You know what I'm talking about. I've been there lots of times over the years. Sometimes that voice sounds strangely like my wife's though. I'm not sure about all that, but I believe that God uses Sandra, at least in my life. And, and that brings me to the, to the next point. And that was our, our third week when we had an interview with, with Dane Austin, and we talked about the importance of others in our life. We're to run with others. We're not running against others. It's not a race against your neighbor or your spouse or, or your, your schoolmate or your coworker. But that people are in your life for a purpose and a reason, and to allow mentors, to allow discipleship, to allow life coaches to be a part of the input into your life, and to choose people, find people who are a positive influence. Listen, there's lots of influencers out there, but I'm talking about the ones that live and talk and breathe Jesus. Those are the kinds of people, and demonstrate that in their lives. And so those are the kind of people you want to invite to be a part of your life, to have an input in. Now, I don't know about you, but if I, let me take a survey here. How many people like to be told what to do? Put your hand up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you notice my hand's not up either, all right? But the reality of it is sometimes we need help. I was going to bring a, I made a baseball bat when I was in uh, uh, high school on a wood lathe. I was going to bring it in and give a demonstration. You know, here's the thing. You need coaches when you're learning baseball. And one of the things that I always did was drop my elbow. 
Anybody, if you play ball, you know, so what happens if you drop your elbow, what happens when you hit the ball usually? Either, well, right, if you hit it at all, okay, because you're sweeping upwards. So if, but if you do hit it, you end up hitting pop flies all day long. But here's the thing. You're looking ahead. You're like this. You're not looking at your elbow. You have no idea, right? So sometimes you and I need someone on the outside to make an observation. It's not so much to tell you what you're doing, what you're doing necessarily, but to observe. They're not there to tell you what to do, but they're just saying, did you notice this? Have you thought about this? That's what a good coach, what a good discipler will do. Not so much to tell you what to do, to tell you your business, but rather to say, look, I see that you're trying to run this way. Let me help you, give you, give you a couple of tips on what I'm observing. And then in a sense, our job is to take that input and say, oh, what should I do? In my case, lift my elbow, you know, so I can hit straight. And the thing is, we need help like that. Sometimes we need an outside voice to tell us, and are we willing, are we mature enough to be able to listen and say thank you? Or do we get all in a huff? You know, I, I've, been, I've worked in the world, I know what it's like. You know, you've worked with a, maybe a coworker where you make a suggestion to them, they're like, oh, oh, I'm never good enough for you, you know, and they get all in a big huff. Hopefully that's not you. No show of hands, please. But you get what I'm saying, you get all in a huff, and like, the person's probably just trying to help you. So your life can be better. You can run the race better. Listen, if you're unwilling to take some criticism, some instruction, some direction, you will not run well. Just letting you know. You know, that, that's the start and the finish. You will not run well. You're like, I can do this myself. I don't need any help. And, and really, when you start saying that concerning other people, do you know that you're actually dismissing the Holy Spirit as well? Because God often uses the Holy Spirit in other people to talk to you. And so when you say, I don't need any help, then you're saying no to Jesus. How many people know that's bad? Yeah, don't, don't do that, all right? And so we talked about that a little bit last week, the importance of letting you know, mentors and disciples into your life. In fact, our life-changing steps that we're doing, our small groups are eight weeks long, is literally designed for that. You know, there, there are eight segments of eight important doctrines or truths of, of God to help you to be better disciple, to grow in your walk, in your run with Jesus. Amen? So if you've never been part of one of those, and you, God's just telling you, hey, you should check this thing out. Guess what? Check it out. Don't just, you think, okay, I'll check it out, and then life goes on, like, oh, well, I forgot. Do it. You'd be amazed that when we take positive steps of faith, what God does through that. Miracles start to happen. Signs and wonders start to happen. Amen? So, Let's move on now, and I wanna, I'll tell you the title of what we're going to do today, and then I'm going to move on. The title is this, that, that we are now to run for the Father. What do I mean by that? You know, up until now, you know, the idea is we're seeking God, we're coming into his presence, we want to walk in truth, we want to do all those things. But now there comes a point of maturity in our life that we're not just running for ourselves, but we're running in service for him. You get what I'm saying? In other words, we're demonstrating the changes he's done inside of us. Now we can show it to the world around us. And so with that in mind, uh, this week there was a snow day. How many people know about snow days? If you're a parent, you definitely knew about snow days because you got to deal with your kids, right? So our house becomes, I won't say a dumping ground. That's not really the right term. How about a child terminal? Let's, let's word it that way, all right? And so uh, six of our eight grandchildren were not dumped off, dropped off, and, and dropped off, and, I, and we love it. I, I'm just teasing, so if any of them are watching, it's, it's 
We love you, okay? But it, but it was awesome. So we had six of the eight there. And so I, we worked, you know, here at the church in the morning, and then we gave everyone in the afternoon off because of the weather. So I was home with the kids. So we're there, you know, and, and the first thing they want to do is go to church to play. So they're like, well, Grandpa, you can take us, right? I'm like, there's a snowstorm outside. They're like, yeah, so? You can do anything, right? You know, kids are great, right? So, so of course we came. You know, so, so we brought them over. So the whole church building is open to them. And so I didn't know this, but cops and robbers is still in vogue. Can you believe that? After I remember playing that as a little kid, and that's what they wanted to do. So I went up to my office, sat there, you know, out on the couch, you know, I'm just hanging out, and they're playing for about five minutes. Then they're like, Grandpa, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I brought you here, right? So you can play. Like, no, 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 no. We want you to play too. So for the next hour and a half, I was either a cop or a robber. Now, one sad thing happened, but there's good things that happened too, but let me tell you the sad thing. <sighs> my one grandson could outrun me. It's a sad day when first your kids can outrun you, and now my grandkids can outrun me. I I'm done. I'm done. I'm, it was just a sad moment. It happened right here in the sanctuary. Abe, my little grandson, caught up to me right about there. I'll never forget it. Very sad. Very sad. But through all of this, listen, an hour and a half, I'm running. Running, either I'm running as a policeman chasing them, or I'm running for my life as a robber in trouble. And here's the thing. I haven't been running for quite a while, any distance. But I didn't feel, I wasn't winded at all. It was the most amazing thing. And, and I'm thinking, Lord, you know, why is that? And he spoke to my heart. He spoke a word to me. He said, son, because you weren't focused on the running, you were focused on the joy of being with your grandchildren. And I realized that that could be a problem that some of us face. We get so fixated on running the race, what we can do, what we can't do, you know, all of that. And we're growing weary and well-doing. And we're, for, we're forgetting the reason we run. And I, I shared this scripture maybe four or five months ago with another series, but this scripture came to me. Let me just quote this to you. They're going to put it up too. Psalm 16, verse 11. Here's what it says. You show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. You know, what's interesting about this, when it says, show me the path of life, that word path actually in the original language says this, racetrack. So literally, and it's the Lord, right? You know, David's speaking to the Lord, saying, Lord, you show me the racetrack of life. And here's the thing. In his racetrack is what? His presence and fullness of joy. And I think at times that we've been robbed of God's presence. No one can steal your joy from you, but I believe that we can give it away. It can kind of leak from us. And the way it leaks from us is this, that in our race of life, we become focused on the here and now. Listen, there's not a person here that doesn't have a friend, relative, or maybe you yourself are dealing with a sickness issue. There's not a person here or a person you know that isn't dealing with some kind of financial situation right here and right now. There's not a person here that either you or someone else in your life is dealing with some emotional trauma, a big deal that's going on in their life. My point is that if we focus on the here and now, your joy can get sucked out of you pretty quick. And so how do we deal with this? I believe that we need to do as Jesus did. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Ha, ha, well, hold it. Does that mean that when they're you know, crucifying Jesus, he's like, yeah, just make those nails go harder. You know? so, yeah, he wasn't acting like that at all. He was in anguish, in pain. He was suffering horribly. 
And yet it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Well, how could he have joy in such a horrible circumstance? Here's why. He wasn't thinking about that. Even though his physical body was being nailed, even though he was being crucified and put on a cross, he was looking forward in time to you and me. We were his joy. Because he knew that by paying that price, by going through that suffering, by going through that pain, that one day others would come into his kingdom. Isn't that amazing? And so maybe we need to take some advice from Jesus. In other words, to be less focused on the here and now and more focused on the there and then. And if we would come to that place of allowing Jesus to speak to us that way, I believe that we would have more joy in our lives. Can you say amen to that? This life is challenging. I, I, I'm on the racetrack with you. You know, today I get to stand here, but I, you know, Monday morning comes, I, I got life. You know, we all have life, and we all have things that we have to deal with. But the thing is, how are we going to face it? And let me tell you something. There's some people here that need to hear this. You are not facing Monday morning by yourself. You have someone who will never leave you, never forsake you, and that's the spirit of the living God. He's on the racetrack with you. I love the Apostle Paul who understood this perfectly, and here's what he said. He said, in my weaknesses, he is made strong. And what was he saying? He's saying, look, in my weaknesses, when I physically can't do it anymore, he'll come along and say, he'll be my crutch. He, he'll be my strength. And that's how you need to view your life rather than the other way around when things are going bad, say, oh, I guess nobody cares. No, that's a time to cry out to Jesus. You know, when you're at the bottom, look up for your redemption draweth nigh, it says in, in King James Version. But basically it means help is there for you, all right? You know, in, in a more modern language. And so I want you to watch this video. I got a short little video. A lady by the name of Heather Doradin running a race in the Big Ten. How many people know what that is? Big Ten, it's, it's 10 uh, colleges slash universities that get together. They've been doing it for almost 100 years. And so actually out of the Big Ten athletic competition, a lot of Olympic athletes come out of it. In fact, Heather ended up being in the Olympics as a result of, of this race and many other races. Have a look. She's number 170 as you watch this. Getting a lot of points from her this weekend, and she's just coming by Fondor now in the home stretch, heading into the bell lap. Gordon falling down gets up quickly, but that's going to cost her. Lucky she wasn't injured. Her teammate just went to the front, though, so they may be able to recover from that. And Dorden is flying down the back she stretch. Is she catching is catching up. She is going to catch Fondor, and she may catch the leader. Wow. But she's got Fond. This is a gutsy effort by Dorden. Can't you pull it off? She's moving to third. Dorden coming down the stretch from the outside. Dorden coming on strong. Dorden all the way. Dorden. Yes. 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 She did it. Wow. It's amazing. She wins by literally a split second. A split second. Can you believe that? Now, it's a 600-meter race. Now, if I'd run the whole video, it shows them going around the track twice, and then it's the third time around. So, literally, it's only about 200 meters were left in that race. She falls, crashes to the ground, wipes out. Don't know what happened, whether she got tripped or tripped over herself. Don't know. But did you see her jump up and carry on in the race? How many times do we fall in our race called life and we just hobble off to the side. I guess there's no point in me doing this. I guess I'll just sit over here. And you become a spectator instead of a participant in what God's called you to. 
I love that she just got up and kept going. What gave her that motivation to do that? Well, I believe Scripture speaks to this. So let's look at this Scripture. 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul says this. Again, comparing this whole idea of, of life to a race. 1 Corinthians 9, beginning at verse 24. He says this, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that, that, that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Go back to verse 24 if you could. So don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? Where only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Here's the thing. You know, we're in this race, right? And, and we need to realize that, that we want to win. How many people want to win the race of life? All right. And again, you're not racing against anyone else. You're just racing to win. Heather understood that. You know, she had been you know, disciplined and trained that, look, you fall down, what do you do? Get up. And I'm sure the coaches drilled it into her. Look, at, even if, if you finish last, you keep on racing. And that's the thing. That's what you and I need to have is the heart to get up and keep going. I've got news for you. Stuff's going to happen. You are going to trip and fall. And I wish I could tell you that, listen, no one here is ever going to have any problems. Your life is going to be like yellow brick road. It's, it's like, ooh, flowers on the side of the road. You can smell the roses. And, no, there's thorns, and you're going to step on them sometimes. You know, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be hills. There's valleys. going to be swamps. You name it, you're going to have it happen in your life. How are you going to face it? How are you going to deal with it? And the difference is that you've been disciplined enough, you've been trained enough to know this isn't the end. It's just a little roadblock right here. There's more ahead. And to be willing to get up and keep on going. And, and Paul goes on in verse 25. All athletes are disciplined in their training. In other words, discipled. In other words, they know what they could do or should do and shouldn't do. They brought themselves to a place of subjecting themselves to being trained. That's hard. But it's a decision that you and I need to make. In fact, you know what makes a great athlete from an average athlete? A great athlete isn't always just natural skills. It's one that will submit to the leadership of their coaches. They will submit to the rigorous training, will do what they're told to do, even when they don't feel like it. And that's important in our lives. Okay, so let's go on. They do it to win a prize, it will fade away. But we do it for what? An eternal prize. To, he'll, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We, we do it for that. But also, if, if you're a person that studies the word, do you know that the Bible talks about rewards that are going to be given out? There are prizes. And it's not like when you go to the fair. How many people have gone to the fair? So you're in the place where, and, and you keep here. There's a prize forever. Everyone gets a prize. How many people have heard that, right? So you spend 25, 30, 40 bucks. I haven't been to the fair for a while, so maybe even more, all right? And, and at the end, you win this like little rubber ducky worth about five cents. All right, so I'm not talking about that kind of prize. I'm talking about a real rewards in heaven. Now, we don't do the things we do to get the rewards. In other words, you're not earning your salvation. You're not doing works. It's not about that. But as you run the race and you're faithful to serve the Lord Jesus, there's a reward waiting for you. I look forward to that. I, I just want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Hey, but if there's some other stuff, sign me up for it. Anybody else? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so we don't do it for it, but we might as well enjoy it as we're doing it. So go on to the next verse if you could. 
So look at this. So I run with purpose in every step. See, if you want to get the reward, you can't run aimlessly. And that, that's what he said. I, I'm not just shadow boxing. Some versions of the Bible say, I, I'm, I'm not just running aimlessly. When you wake up in the morning, you've got to say, Lord Jesus, what's your plan for today? Amen. And if you're not doing that, you're missing out. How many of you have made an appointment with someone very special, or they made an appointment with you to meet a certain time and a certain place? So you get ready, and you show up, and that person's not there. How'd you feel about that? Pretty upset because you, you went out of your day, maybe you had other things planned, you went. And then what if that person calls you maybe that later that day and says, hey, where were you? And you're like, what do you mean, where were you? Have you ever done that? I know I have. And then the other person says, look it, I specifically said, da-da-da, this day at this time. And all of a sudden you look down at your, your, your phone and you're like, oh my gosh, I went a day late. How many people have done something like that? Happens, right? Everybody but Norman. But that's okay. For the rest of us, we can relate to this. Let me tell you something. God has divine moments, divine encounters, divine people for you to touch. But it's at his time and his place. And so unless you connect with the Father on a regular basis, you won't know where to go to meet up in that divine moment. And that's why we run this race. This race isn't just about you. It's not just about me. It's about the others that are in your life. It's about the people that God wants you to meet and encounter and help in your life. Or maybe they got something for you. It goes both ways, right? Or maybe it's a combination of the two. But here's the thing. If we're not listening. So, so think about this. What if you say to that person, well, it's your fault that you weren't there, even though you said it was you know, a day later. That person would think you're crazy, right? How many times do we say that to God? Well, God, I'm busy today. God, you have to make time tomorrow because my agenda's open, you know, my, my calendar's open that day. How many of us have done it? Maybe not verbally, but we've done it in our hearts where we just said, God, you're not that important. I got, I got, I got plans. I want to do this. And here's what happens. That divine moment comes and goes and you didn't show up and you missed out on what he had for you. See, that's why this race is so important. But it's not a race that we make up. It's a race that he set before us before the beginning of time. Amen? I discipline my body like an athlete. In other words, we have to disciple ourselves. We need others to disciple us, but we too have to. And that word body, when it says, I discipline my body, that word body isn't talking just about your physical body. It's spirit, soul, and body. Your whole person. What makes you you? In other words, it, it could be your physical body you have to discipline. It could be your mental thinking. You know, your spirit, instead of it just wandering all over the place, the idea is you're focused on what God has called you to do. And then he goes on, he makes a statement, I love this, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. <laughs> when my kids were little, there were times where I said to them, just do as I say, not as I do. Have you ever heard that? Maybe you said it. And the kids would say, that's not right. Even my kids knew better, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. I'll try to I'll do what I say, and I'll try to do what I'm saying to do. And the point is that some of us are doing that. We're telling others the right answers. But we're not living the right answer. Let me tell you something. Some of the best sermons you'll ever share or some of the best words of encouragement that you will ever share are not actually words. 
It's your actions and your attitude, your behavior. And so that's what, what Paul was saying. He wasn't talking about losing his salvation, you know, about being disqualified, meaning you know, he's just making the comparison that what we say should line up with what we do. And it's just so, so important. So in our remaining couple of minutes, here's what I want to do. I'm going to pull all this together. I'm going to summarize this whole race thing for you. And we're going to draw some comparisons between a natural race and a spiritual race. So, so here, here's the deal. Every race, every race has. Now here's the thing. What you need to do instead of it being every race, the Lord spoke to me this after I put the PowerPoint together. I was a little slow on the uptake, all right? So I didn't spend enough time with him, I guess. It shouldn't say every race. It should say your race because this is about you. So your race has a start and a finish. Started when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And this race called life will finish when you exhale your last breath and cross from this life into eternity. That's a given. There's no way out of that, all right? Accept it, embrace it, and run to the fullest way that you can until you get to that finish line where your life coach, Jesus, is standing right there, ready to grab hold of you and support you. Amen? Going to be awesome. Okay, next one. Every race, including your race, has rules. Okay, here's the rules right here. And you're like, man, there are so many rules. How am I supposed to figure this out? Can I help you with this a little bit? There is a lot of rules in here, especially in the Old Testament. Don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. How many people got kind of, after a while, you're like, your head's spinning, right? And so, even Jesus was asked by the legal lawyers of the day, they're like, well, which commandments are the important ones, right? And here's what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love others as yourself. And so, let me even summarize that even a little shorter. Love God and love others. If you obey those two things, then you'll fulfill all the other things. All right? Simple. So those are the rules of the race. So in other words, you don't trip other people. You don't interfere with other people. You actually help people if they need help in their race. You, you get where this goes, right? This is applying to your race. You love God first, and then you treat others the same as you would want to be treated. You know, you don't see your race of life as you have to put people down in order to get ahead. No, actually, you get ahead in this race by helping people who are down. It's pretty amazing. Totally opposite to the natural. So you have a start and a finish. You've got rules. What's the third one? You have a course that's marked out for you. You can't just decide where you want to run and what you want to do. Your life's not your own anymore. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, guess what? You gave your life to him. What does that really mean to you? Maybe you just said a bunch of words and it doesn't mean anything. But in my Bible, when I give my life to Jesus, it defines this, that now I have become his. And he now directs my life. He now is my savior and Lord. You know what the word Lord means? It means master. It means now he is leading me. He is directing me. And so he has, he has set out this path, this amazing course. Before you breathe a breath, and you can read this, mark this down, Psalms 139. says this, before you breathe a breath, God had a plan for every day of your life. That's amazing, right? And so the course has been marked out. It's up to you whether you want to get on it and follow that course and have those divine moments I was talking about. Okay, so you start and finish, rules. There's been a course marked out. Now what about this? In a really long race, what do they have to have? Anybody know? Yeah, yeah, you got to have stamina. I get that. But, but, and that's true. 
Water. You need hydration. So there's always hydration stations. You know, every few miles, wherever, in fact, you'll see in the long races, you have people running along to hold water for people to sometimes take a sip out of it or else they grab a water and they drink as they keep running, right? Either way, they need hydration. Now, you might think, I'm always talking about this. I'm going to always talk about this. Hydration for us is the Holy Spirit. You need to drink the water of the presence of God on a regular basis or you will dry up, shrivel up, burn out, burn up because you need the Holy Spirit hydration. Have to. Just like in the natural. You have to have that, all right? Okay. And then the, the final one, the final one is discipline and training. Now before I read the final scripture, I'm going to tell you something. I've been telling you for the last three weeks that you're not in a race against anyone. How many people have heard me say that? In fact, I've even said it this morning. Well, it's not quite true. Now, it's not that I lied to you, because you're not actually in a race against anyone else, but you are in a race against your yesterday self. Let me say that again. You are in a race against someone, but it's not another person. It's your yesterday self. That person that was complacent in the past. That person that's still involved in maybe habits and lifestyles that's unhealthy. Ways of thinking that's holding them back. And you and I have to make a decision to do better, to run faster than we did yesterday. And that's how we need to view life. Between you and me, if, if I look at life in its whole, I might be like this. I can't do this and walk away. It's just too overwhelming. But if we can look at it one day at a time. So when I wake up in the morning, here's my, let me tell you what my attitude is. Lord, here I am again. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. That's usually the first couple things that I get out. Thank you, I got breath in my lungs. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still here. Thank you, Jesus. But then the next thing I'm praying is, Lord, I want to be better than my yesterday self. Just a little bit. Show me, as my life coach, show me how I can improve just one thing. And it's amazing what the Holy Spirit will do if you'll give him permission to do that. You can be better in your time than your yesterday self. So let me just close with this scripture. Hebrews 12, verses 11 to 13. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put of joint, but rather be healed. So look at verse 11 just for a minute. All discipline seems painful. None of us want to be redirected from whatever we're doing. But here the word is making it very clear that if we're willing to take discipline, take training, that in the end, it will be better for us. It will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And what that means is just a bunch of fancy terms, but it basically means that you will spiritually be in a healthier place than you were before. That's literally what it means for those who have been trained by it. Go on to verse 12 and 13. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands. Listen, some of you right now in the spirit, you're like this. <laughs> this, this is how you feel. You're just like, you're just like, uh, you know, you're just like you got the weight of the world on you, and you're just there. And so we're given instructions on what to do. Make straight paths for your feet. In other words, get back on the racetrack, the course that God has called you to. Get back on the road. 
This is no, there's no spectators for believers. We're all participants in this race called life. Get back, on your, get back on your feet. Get back on the road. And look at this. So what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. This is the one difference between the natural and the spiritual race. In a natural race, if you get injured, what do you do? You step away. You step out. In God's race, you actually persevere and press on. Because if you stay on the track with the Lord guiding you, with those around you helping you, actually healing comes as you keep running. It's different. It's not like the world. It's not like the world where you just drop out if you're not doing well. In fact, the council of the world says, if you don't like doing it, just stop. That's the world. But Jesus tells us to keep our eyes fixed upon him. Why? He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's what? He's at the start and at the finish line of our walk with him. Amen. Let's stand and pray together. So here's my question as we finish this all up. Where are you in this race? Did somewhere along the way you stop running? Or maybe you're just kind of doing more of a leisurely walk now. You're like, well, I'm just tired. Your hands are drooping. Your, head, your heads are drooping. Your hands are hanging. And you're like, Lord, I'm just tired. Just with every head bowed for a minute. If, that, if that's you, just put your hand up in the air. Just to acknowledge to the Lord. I see those hands raised. You can put your hands down. For some here, you got taken out. Someone else maybe come along or circumstance came along and, and sideswiped you. You weren't like Heather in the race that we watched. You just didn't get up again. And you're just kind of like laying there. And everyone's just kind of running around you. And you're like, God, where are you? If you're that person, I want you to know right now that God's right there with you. And he wants to help you to get back up and to get back going again. He really does. Father, you saw those hands raised earlier. And you also know of those right now that are literally broken on the racetrack. Lord, I thank you that your word says, though we fall seven times, you're there the eighth time to pick us up. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for supernatural strength to go into each runner right now. <laughs> Lord God, I thank you that, that when we are weak, you're made strong. <laughs> and so right now, in Jesus' name, we just pray for, for a supernatural strength to come upon us. That as Scripture says, as we wait upon the Lord, we'll be renewed, we'll run and not be weary and walk and not be weak. Father, I thank you that you will sustain us when we feel that we can't go any further. Lord, I thank you for the rewards that await each one of us as we run this race faithfully. I pray right now in Jesus' name, even for those watching, that, Lord, that they would see that running the race is, is as important as anything else in their life. So, Father, right now, bless each person as they keep their eyes upon you, the one who is there at the starting line, the one that's going to be there at the end line, and the one that's with us all the way through the race. I pray for miracles to happen in individual lives from this day forward, divine moments on the racetrack, Lord God, divine encounters with you and with others, moments of, of clarity, Lord God, moments of revelation, just of awesome things happening to individuals as they run hand in hand with you. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you this morning.